Welcome everyone to the EDMpreneur podcast. Today we have Aaron Lee, aka Northy, on the show. How's it going, man? Good, bro. How is Seattle? Seattle is beautiful today. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, dude. Northeast productions range anywhere from bass music to disco, and I've seen support from internationally established and award-winning artists. As a DJ, he's performed alongside Calvin Harris, Zed's Dead, Tommy Trash, and others. With an ear to the ground, always listening for the new sound, Northy is a forefront of EDM in Australia. So tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, yeah, well, I grew up, you know, my dad was a musician, so I was always around music. He was actually like a rock and roll and country musician, but I actually grew up listening to a lot of um, funk and and pop, and I, I really love, like, Michael Jackson was probably my first, like, love, like, artist, I'd say. And then um, then I, I grew up, like, in, in pop punk bands through high school. I was just, like, playing in rock bands. I also was, I started doing like hip hop and I was in like a hip hop group when I was 16 when uh, around the time I also started producing um, music on my computer and also DJing. I really fell in love with turntablism and kind of uh, took that approach. I first went into DJing from like the hip hop side of things, but then I, I really found a love for electronic music because of its versatility and, um, and just like its vast ability to kind of make anything. Um, and yeah, fast track to after high school, I started professionally DJing and producing and I have been ever since. That's cool. So was there like any point in that period where you, where you really wanted to go all in with it? I think from the start, actually, I, I kind of always knew from when I was young that I, I just wanted to do music. Um, I think at some other point I also wanted to be a pro skater, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> that didn't work out because I, I ended up getting sick at one point and I was in hospital for a while. So I kind of used that time to really, um, sew in more with my music and yeah, it just turned out that I, I just knew it was kind of what I was meant to do, so to speak. Yeah. So who were some of your early inspirations, uh, when you first started out? Um, in electronic music, it, it would have been, uh, breakbeat breaks was the first, like style I got into this is back in like 2004-2005 I really loved um, people like the Plump DJs who I recently had the chance to connect with like 10 years later uh, when I was in London a few weeks ago which was it's really cool now just to like be able to actually like casually hang out with people who used to like inspire me to really start making that music um, yeah people like that I mean uh, there's so many there's so many artists you kind of go through but I really was drawn to anything that was melodic and kind of like uplifting in a sense. Like I really loved uplifting trance even when I was, when I was young uh, for a bit, which I discovered in a radio station in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> you mentioned being in London. Yeah. Uh, what, were, what, were you, what were you doing in London? So I got sent there for a songwriting hub. Uh, so I was working in the studio there with, a bunch of other uh, songwriters, and we were basically just smashing out a catalogue of songs. So it was a great opportunity. I got sent over there by um, APRA, which is in America. That's your ASCAP. So they look after the publishing and performance rights in Australia. And, yeah, they had a partnership with uh, in a, the, one in, the one in England, and they sent me and a few other select artists over there to basically songwrite and collaborate with um, you know international writers. That's great. So. What did you get out of that experience? Um, I kind of learned how to 
fast track while working. Like, um, basically, our goal was to write a song a day, and which sounds pretty crazy, but once you get into it, it's not actually that hard. You you basically have to know, like, you can't procrastinate on an idea. You literally, like, if, if an idea is not working, you literally have to be willing to just abandon it and move forward. And when when you do that, you really find that you get the best results. So I know if I was at home working on a song, I may have sat on the one idea for way too long and it never went anywhere, never eventuated. But because we were like, all right, this isn't working, let's try something else, and then that does work, that was a great lesson. Also, learning to work with other people and just understand that other people come from different, you know, different sides of life, different inspirations, different sounds and styles. And sometimes you have to really become versatile in yourself as a producer and writer to really like meet in the middle. So yeah, it taught me a few things. So do you think that's, you've taken some things away from that you'll, that you'll use in your, in your own productions for keeping yourself motivated and moving forward? Yeah, definitely. Especially just learning to let things eventuate um, without, holding on to things like um it's hard because music is is very emotional and as a as a songwriter you know uh, we're often inspired by whatever we're going through emotionally or something like that and um so sometimes we get really emotionally attached to a song or an idea but we need to learn to detach ourselves uh, for the greater outcome and by the end of it if you're not happy with what it is exactly anyway then you shouldn't be releasing it but um I think that you really need we, need, we really need to learn as writers that to where, where like we can still convey our message without getting really attached to like one idea or one thing. So what was one of the hardest things uh, that you've had to master as a producer? Um, productivity. <laughs> I'd say as, as a full-time producer and, you know, musician, artist, um, just keeping motivated because you do have days where you're like, I, I literally don't feel like doing this. And I mean, if I was working like a desk job or something and there's outlined think tasks to do, even if I don't feel like doing it, you can still kind of get through and do it. But when it's creativity, you have to be inspired. So for me, it's figuring out ways to kind of keep inspired. So which, which comes into like refreshing myself a lot mentally, knowing when to give myself space, like, all right, I need to go for a walk, I need to go for a drive, I need to like hang out with someone, I need to stop thinking about this and just like, you know, think about something else for a little bit and come back to it with fresh ears and a fresh uh, fresh mental state. And also with inspiration, um, I've also been looking backwards a lot now. Um, so I heard somewhere that sometimes you got to look at the past to kind of, understand the future and so even like the other day i just made a playlist on on itunes of all of the music that i like grew up on and listened to and all the music i loved over over all the all the years i've been mm. listening to music um and i kind of put it in one big playlist so i've got like 1.2 days worth of music and i just have a <laughs> shuffle and it's actually been very inspiring because i've realized lately i've been listening to only what's current only what's you know, whatever's charting now, whatever's popular now, whatever's coming out. And some of it has not been inspiring because I'm not hearing things, not everything I hear I love. Whereas if I just, I went back to my playlist where I know everything in that playlist I love and it's actually been really inspiring. That's really cool. So with product, with productivity in mind, how do you balance music and business? Um, 
Well, you, that's where you've got to learn um, to really make priorities. So, which I'm still learning because sometimes I'm like, okay, I don't feel creative right now, but I feel like securing some work. So I'm going to go and, you know, get into my business pants. And, but it's kind of like, if there's a priority, like, okay, I really, right now I really need new music or whatever, then you've kind of got to let things roll and, and secure work where, you know, secure that, you know, if I have like a mixing and mastering job or whatever coming in, that's great. And that'll get me by financially. But, um, and I'll, I'll need to like go and fish for those things sometimes. But I know like for me right now, I'm, I'm actually thinking about ways to secure regular income with like secondary services. So that would be engineering work. Um, but, and I, I could go into a whole business plan of, oh, I'm going to make this the most thriving, you know, music engineering service in my region or whatever. And I could think of many ways to really propel that and commit to that. But I had to say, I had to stop myself and go, but is that your priority? No, it's not. I need to work on a, not writing original music. So I need to kind of put like invest a little bit into just securing regular weekly income, but make sure it doesn't take up all of my time to create. So it's, it's really prioritizing and, and setting a standard and, and kind of knowing what you're actually meant to do as a person. Um, yeah. So stuff like that. And there's always something to learn. So it's an ongoing lesson really. You know, as people who are entrepreneurial, uh, there's always things to be looking looking out for ideas and it's really hard to not jump at every idea that comes along. Oh, very true. Especially if you're creative minded and business minded because you're just going to have ideas all the time. And when someone does something, you're going to be like, oh, I can elaborate on that. I can make it better. Or you're going to see a hole in the market and go, why isn't anybody doing this? I should do that. But is that really your purpose? Is that really your main thing? So you have to remember to keep, keep that, keep that main objective in the forefront, in your main focus. Um, I know that I think people should uh, take an entrepreneurial spirit into their creativity. So, so like your music, you know, you, you may create for the love of creating, which I hope every creative does because otherwise it's not going to be authentic, but you've also got to come at it like an entrepreneur. You've got to come at it like a business person. Like, you know, are you just, trying to please a saturated market or are you trying to innovate and create a new market? Like not a lot of artists think like that, but we see the artists in history who have actually made a historical imprint on music. They're the ones who actually thought like that. So you've got Michael Jackson. He always, um, you know, uh, talked to his producers and said, has this been done? Is this like unique? We should do something that no one's done before. Let's go a step further. Um, You've got in the EDM scene, you've got people like Skrillex who didn't, it wasn't even really conscious of starting a new market as far as I know, judging from interviews and stuff, but he just did it because it was unique and it didn't sound like anyone else. And he, he enjoyed it himself and he was, he kind of did it for him and it ended up birthing like a whole new sound and, and actually changed and helped uh, change electronic music and also help propel it into the mainstream market. So, and you, you've got people like Dead Mouse who, um, a very entrepreneurial in the marketing side of things with, with his creativity and he'll he'll go out and be daring enough and confident enough to do things that nobody's done with technology and you know and, and marketing so I think as a creative um, 
I would I would challenge every creative to learn how to think business minded and learn how to be aware of your market and and what it's lacking. Before uh, the interview, we talked a little bit, and you were telling me about how trends come from the underground to the mass culture. It would be cool if you could just talk a little bit about that because I think it's something that people need to hear. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, you know, at the moment, uh, EDM is the sound of pop culture right now. And what I've learned from the mainstream popular music market is that it's all an underground uh, trend that's recycled. So, like, the, the, the next sound of the future in music will always be birthed in the underground. And then a lot of the uh, mainstream pop producers and artists will kind of hear that, be influenced by it, and, and retailer it for a mass market. And then it will be, um, you know, released into the, the main pop industry. And then the rest of the world kind of hears the sound. So, like, let's, take, let's go back to, like, a few years ago, we got dubstep. Like, that was an underground sound in, in the UK. And then it wasn't really going anywhere besides that. And then uh, Skrillex kind of just got inspired by it, did his own twist with it. And then it became the sound of, you know, club music. That's still relatively an underground, like, you know, market. And then eventually it got more popular and then it seeps into the pop scene. And then the pop artists are like, oh, this is the next thing. And then they're doing it. And then once that's done, the rest of the world knows about it. And by that time, everyone in the club scene is like, oh, my gosh, like, shut up. We're, we're so over dubstep. Um, but the rest of the world who doesn't know that scene aren't in that scene are like, have you heard dubstep? This is incredible. And then for another, you know, it's already been a year in the club scene. We're over it. And then it's another year in the pop industry. And then then they get over it. And then a new trend arises. Um and it's really interesting because uh, that I feel that the the birthplace of every underground sound is usually it, it literally is in the underground gatherings. So, like back in the you know the first half of the last century, we had the church and gospel music coming from small African American communities in in and um that sound like gospel music was like there was no club but there was the church and gospel music birthed so many of the main genres in music so like blues rock and roll r&b that all came from gospel music and then but, but now the the underground gatherings or the market is more so the nightclub than the church or whatever so obviously like the nightclub became um, where all the people were going, and that was the underground sound. It started happening in the 70s, I think, with, like, disco and stuff. So there was, like, the, the disco, the tech, the, the nightclub, and then disco came into the pop industry. So there's this cycle that we can observe, and um, it's really about knowing where the sounds are coming from. But now, like, if we say we look at the, the club industry, now, I mean, that's, that's a global thing, and you never know where the next sound's going to come from because it could come from any region in the world. So... Um, there's a, there's a lot of exploring to do in that sense, and um, but it's pretty easy to kind of pick up on a trend because you, first you'll start seeing everyone doing it in the club scene and all the influences in the club scene or the DJ scene, whatever, do it, and then it'll kind of evolve 
And then once someone's really nailed a solid sound that distinguishes that sound, then it'll be recycled into the pop scene and then the rest of the world. I mean, there's like a lot of people who have been bashing, you know, what most people would call EDM, you know, that sound and the the big room house kind of, you know, build ups and then you have your crazy bass drop kick thing. I think a lot of producers are are too quick to just like dismiss it and to really hate on it, but without really looking for the next thing, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's really time to just look ahead because end of the day, every trend is going to be boring eventually. And right now, the, the reason why people are complaining is because when you hear people complain, it's because the trend is starting to get old. So if people are complaining about big room or whatever, it's because that trend's com- probably coming to the end of its lifespan. Until someone does something different, there's something new to rave about, then that's just that's just a general mentality. It's also the people complaining are also the ones that don't have the vision for what's next. So they're the people who don't know how to think and look for what's next. So they're literally relying on on what's now. So it, it's really funny because there's a leader follower uh, kind of thing going on, which happens in every market, but um, particularly this one we're talking about, you can tell when an artist is like, I don't know, it's really funny. It's like I see the most influential hit artists are the ones who, you know, either adapt on a trend and start a new thing with the trend and then kind of have their own platform to then innovate and keep innovating and, you know, uh, maintaining their listener base. Or um, they're the people who have that crazy rare opportunity to actually let the world know about their innovation from the get-go and it's everybody else who watches them and follows who are never going to be able to innovate and lead so another thing with the creative entrepreneurial spirit is an entrepreneur is a leader and it and an innovator and a tastemaker um and i think creatives really have to think like that there's not enough creatives that think like leaders rather than just like followers being inspired by whatever's already leading and then creating off that. We have such an exciting opportunity to really lead. And I like what you said about that and, and how I think really any of us have the ability to do something that's fresh and, and new. Um, what would you say to people who are maybe afraid of stepping out to, to really do something that isn't, hasn't been done before? Um, you've got to dare to be different. Like I'm learning that right now. A a lot of my small success came from adapting on new trends. So like my biggest track, my biggest tracks were like the ones where I saw a new trend come in and I'm like, Oh, I can adapt on that and I can do better than what I'm hearing people do with it right now. And then I'll, I'll challenge myself with that and then I'll try to, and then I'll release something and people are like, Oh, have you heard Northy? He does. I don't know, bass music really well. Oh, he does trap really well. But it's kind of like, at the moment, no one's ever said, um, have you heard Northy? He's got his own sound. He's he's started a genre. Like, that's, for me personally, that's next. And um, I I think, um, so, sorry, what was the question? Because I, I know it and I was getting somewhere, but I forgot. It's just about, <laughs> about people who are afraid to maybe step out oh, yeah. to, You've to really build their, yeah. yeah. 
you've really got to be daring, uh, really got to be confident and bold that you can do it. So like I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm telling myself like no holds bar, like just, just go for it. Don't even think if people will like it or not because most of the success stories that I personally know and also have observed um, were the people who were like, I don't think anybody's going to like this, but I like it. And then, you know, what happens, they innovate something and the world likes it and the world follows. So I think you really have to be audacious in that. And um, it, it's about you first, you got to kind of please yourself. You got to be like, do I actually love this enough? Like, and if you can find something that you love that doesn't sound like someone else, hey, go for it. Like, why not? So, um, yeah, it's just about confidence, really. So how do you personally judge when a track does what you want to do? Um, well, there's different tests. So first, it's obviously, do I love it? Like, do I absolutely love it? Does it stick in my head? Is it catchy? Does it make me want to move? Or Like, if we're talking about club music, like, does it make me want to dance or move? Do I want to keep listening to it? Um, you know, audibly, like, sonically, does it sound tasty and enticing? And then there's, like, the the dance floor test. So say like it, it may be different for whatever genre you're making, but for me it's, it's club music. So it's about are people going to like, you know, go crazy and dance to it or whatever. Right. So then I'll, I'll test it out and I'll, I'll get people to listen to it. And because, you know, whether I like it or not, sometimes I'll need others input to really see if it's, if it's just me or, or if there is a chance of other people liking it. And, um, it's funny because I'll go back again to my example of Skrillex. Like when he made his sound with all these growls and stuff, he, I think he thought like n- no one would ever probably want to listen to this. <laughs> and then a few people, like Dead Mouse being one of them, thought it was rad and released it. And then a lot of people, obviously because of the influence of his label, um, caught on and was like, this is actually crazy, but it also rocks. So it's kind of like it's got to have that mix of unique craziness but it's also got a rock so like people have to like actually want to listen to it um which sounds like it conflicts with my theory of having to please yourself first but you really do so it's kind of you kind of got to find that middle ground and it all comes down to litmus tests like it all just you got to test it you got to test it out and i don't know like there's probably some ratio where it's like i don't know if 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 you know five out of ten people like it and the other hate it there's still kind of a chance for it. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't had enough experience with starting a trend yet to actually do that, but I am, um, I'm still learning all that stuff. So yeah. Great. So, so if you could go back to when you were just first starting, what's one thing that you wish you would have known to begin with that you know now? Not to follow trends, just to continue. Mm-hmm. So when I first had, most of the times where I've like, tried to adapt on an existing trend and people loved what I did, I would often kind of stop because by then I was already over the trend. So uh, instead of me, uh, what I should have done is I should have gone, all right, um, I have some momentum now and people are liking this and I'm already over the sound, but how can I take the sound I just created from adapting on that trend and take it a step to the left and like, make something just a little bit more new, like one step at a, t- at a time. I-, I never continued doing that because I'd always get too sick of the trend that I'm working with and I gave up. So now I'm like trying to, I guess, do that um, in different ways. So, yeah. 
That's cool. It's more about following through. Momentum's such a big thing for an artist. I've learned the hard way that momentum is so hard to get going, but even, but even like really easy to drop. And mm. yeah, it's 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 really hard. So especially now with the with the saturated market, with with you know the internet, the digital age, it, you really have to keep up appearance so well. So that's why you see you see artists who are just smashing out track after track after track. And it's hard sometimes if you become a really busy touring artist because you you literally can't afford to like you know it's hard to get new music out, but you can't afford to not get music out. So um, right now I'm all about I'm I'm taking like a down time to kind of get my sound, create heaps of content. So once it is released and we're doing stuff, there's enough follow up, not just like oh one track and then it's another year to hear another track. So what's been your proudest moment so far? Um, it's all just like inner kind of stuff. Like, you know, being able to say, being able to be confident and go, oh, I can, I can, I can do like, I can sound design or engineer really well or like everything I'm saying that like realizations and, you know, revelations about the industry and what I should do next. I, I think that's, the most proudest thing is learning from experience, also learning from mistakes and getting to a point as a, um, you know, as a artist, a producer where I'm confident enough now to go, okay, I can get the job done, but I need to get it. I need to get like the, I need to get that sound done type of thing. Yeah. Just also just like getting to a point of self-confidence is, is a, I guess a proud moment and just learning everything, just having that revelation really. You're on a good journey. So where do you see yourself in five years from now? Hopefully I'll be able to come back to Levi at ADMpreneur and say, hey, everything I talked about, uh, about like innovating stuff I, I, I got to achieve or, I'll, or, or I can like be on your TV show or whatever you're doing, <laughs> you know, because I expect, I expect <coughs> ADMpreneur to, to be just as successful. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have you on again when, when that happens and I love you. Tell us all about it. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So have a have an awesome rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to the Idiompreneur podcast on iTunes. And if you like the show, we'd appreciate a five-star review. It really helps us get our artists' messages to people who need to hear them. See you next time. 